So a quick disclaimer this morning, this uh, series was taught about 25 years ago originally, and we're just trying to communicate it as best that we can. We're wrapping up a six-part series talking about what being a follower of Jesus is really supposed to look like. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, you haven't made that decision, then you're kind of off the hook this morning. You get to sit back, you get to relax, and you get to peek behind the curtain a little bit to see what it really is supposed to look like, what the Christian life really is supposed to look like. Probably in this six-week series, the most important thing that we have said uh, over the course of these last several messages is that you know, once a person puts their trust in Jesus, so once that person uh, has completely submitted and surrendered to making Jesus the boss of their lives, they are now uncondemnable. So when I did that, at the moment that I did it, I became as tight and as close to my heavenly father as I will ever be. Because when I put my trust in Jesus, everything about sin, everything about my sin, the consequences, the penalty from this point forward was dealt with forever. And then we said that when Jesus left, he came to earth, he did uh, what he was brought, sent to this earth to do, and he could accomplish that. And he went and he left this earth. He actually didn't just leave us with uh, a different set of rules. He didn't leave us with another list of things that we were supposed to do. That wasn't what happened. In fact, when Jesus left, we talked about, I believe in week two, we talked about he actually left us with his spirit. We call it the Holy Spirit. And because of that, the Christian life is supposed to be characterized by men and women who allow the Holy Spirit to live their life, his life, through us. We actually gave that kind of a phrase. Well, I say we did. Paul really did in Romans chapter 8. And we just kind of piggybacked off of that. And we said that that is called learning to walk according to the Spirit. And as Christ followers, we're not supposed to keep a, a list of to-dos and to-don'ts. We don't have to-do lists and to-don't lists. But instead... If we're going to be committed to anything as a follower of Jesus, let it be learning to walk according to the Spirit. And in order to help kind of clarify that a little bit and to make that a little bit easier to understand uh, what walking according to the Spirit looked like, we gave it a definition. It's going to be on your screen. We said the definition of walking according to the Spirit was living our lives in moment-by-moment -moment dependency upon the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And then we took it a step further. We said, but if that's just too much, if we just can't remember that, then we could probably summarize walking according to the Spirit up with one singular phrase. We could summarize it like this. Lord, I can't, but you can. Lord, I can't, but you can. Lord, I can't deal with the loneliness, but you can. Lord, I can't deal with this temptation, this habit, this hang up, but you can. Lord, I can't deal with the pressure. I can't deal with the struggle. I can't deal with the conflict but you can. I cannot in my own strength and in my own power, but you can. And just as we were saved by putting our faith in the power of God, the Christian life is supposed to be lived the same way. It's just finishing the way we started. And if we're to commit ourselves to anything, let us be believers who are committed to learning what it means to walk according to the Spirit. And then we said, we kind of took it a step further, and we said that as we learn to do that, and as we are walking in the Spirit as followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit actually wants to produce certain character traits in our life, certain uh, qualities about us as Christ followers. And the New Covenant actually calls them fruits. It calls them fruits of the Spirit. And there are nine of them. They're love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, kindness, and goodness. And as we learn to walk according to the Spirit, then those will be the character traits that just begin to happen. 
Those are the things that honestly, if we really are being honest with ourselves, those are the things that we strive for every day in our own life. And we strive for and we long for in our relationships with our, with our spouse and with our, our parents and with our kids and with our family and our friends. And we just often can't, we can't do it on our own. We don't have the strength. Lord, I can't do it. But that's what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us and through us. Now, full disclosure here. This series, some of us in this room or watching online could have possibly heard some of the terminology that we've used in this series and thought, man, this is just kind of some ooey-gooey and practical silliness that they're talking about up there. This is kind of some do-do-do-do-do, you know, some Twilight Zone stuff. I, I, this is more Bible theory than Bible practical. So this morning, what we're going to try to do uh, as we wrap this series up, we're going to try to give three statements, uh, very practical statements that we hope will wrap this series up and maybe give a sense of practicality for, for a series that for some may have been somewhat impractical. Yeah. So here we're going to give you these three statements um, that are going to hopefully send us off away from this series uh, with some direction in terms of what can we really do now as we are learning to walk according to the Spirit. And here's our first statement for today. Weakness is the Holy Spirit's ideal working environment. I, it's in those areas in my life where I'm weak and those areas where you're weak that the Holy Spirit is going to show up and has the opportunity to show up in some unmistakable ways. Now, the Apostle Paul, we have a great example of this. Uh, the writer of uh, uh, one third of the New Covenant books that we have arguably uh, the greatest church starter, church planter that's ever lived. And apparently this guy with those credentials had something really big in his life that he just could not get over. And we don't know if it was physical or relational or uh, spiritual or a temptation. We don't know what it was, but there are all kinds of theories. But we do know this. Paul called it a thorn in his flesh. And Paul prayed and prayed and prayed, asking God to take it away. And he said, would you remove this thing? He prayed that at least three times that we're aware of. And it, it was this obstacle, some kind of obstacle that he just couldn't get past and move on. And here's a glance of how God responded to Paul's prayer. We're going to read a verse to you in just a moment. And it gives us a, a principle that we're using today for this point. And it's very important, uh, this principle, because it's what we're talking about right here. And we find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he, that is speaking of Jesus, said to me, this is Paul writing. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. And now here comes the principle for us. For power is perfected in weakness. Now, perfected does not mean like made perfect. It, it, it really means brought to full maturity. It's, it's the place in our life where it is so evident that that's where God is working. Now, do you know where the Holy Spirit and his power wants to be present and perfected in your life, in my life? Brought to maturity in your life, in my life? The Holy Spirit's power will be most evident in our lives, not where we think that we're strong or we think we're doing okay. No, no, it's going to be in the, the area where we feel weak or where we are weak. Weakness is the ideal working environment of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul goes on. He says, so most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So here's good news what Paul gives us there. If you've got a major weakness in your life, I've got some in mine. 
Well, that is fertile soil for the Holy Spirit to go to work and to show up in a big way in your life. So do you have problems in thought life? Do you have a habit that has a hold on you and you just can't get rid of it? Something about your relationships that is going haywire? Maybe it's anger in your own life. Maybe something's going on in your marriage. Well, listen, that is great news because that's an area of weakness where the Holy Spirit wants to be involved in your life right now at this moment. And that's where you're going to see him do his best work because that's where his power will be most evident in our lives, those areas of weakness. And as we think about walking in the Spirit and God doing something in your life, you should mark this down, our area of major weakness in our life that is the area where the Holy Spirit wants to show up in a big, big way. Right, because, you know, you think about it, spiritual maturity, it's not about strength. You know, it's not about what I can do. It's actually about dependency. Sp spiritual maturity is about dependency. The more mature the Christ follower, the more dependent the Christ follower on the Spirit. Day by day, moment by moment, decision by decision. The mature Christ follower just says, Lord, I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't, but you can, you can, you can. Where I'm weak, you're going to have to be strong because I can't. I can't do it. It's not where I'm weak, I'm going to get stronger, you know, I'm going to do more, I'm going to work harder, I'm going to give me another chance, I'm going to read the Bible more, go to church more, go to the small group more, pray more, I'm going to get stronger in those areas of weakness. It's not that, it's where I'm weak, Spirit, I am entrusting your, uh, I'm entrusting your, the Spirit to just empower me day by day, moment by moment, and decision by decision to be strong, because it's not about strength, it's about dependency. And because that's true, humility is like an open invitation to the Holy Spirit. Humility. This is what James said in the New Covenant. He wrote that he gives grace to the humble. Now, and this is what this means. It's so cool to me. He gives grace to the humble. Grace, in the context of that verse, actually means power. It means the ability to overcome obstacles in our lives. So James says that God grants that type of grace to the humble. To those that understand, I'm weak, I can't but you can. So James is basically saying that God gives power and the ability to co overcome obstacles in our life to the humble. Humility is like an open invitation to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. Do you, do you, know, what, do you know what humility is? It, it, it is really us simply having a right understanding about who I am, who you are in relationship to God. Humility is this saying here. It's saying, Lord, I can't. I can't do it. On my best day, God, I, I'm going to get a B minus, but I'm usually C, C minus, D's and F's. Lord, my track record is failure. That's me. I, I'm admitting that to you. And every once in a while, maybe I have an accidental victory and do okay. But listen, I need consistency. I don't need an every once in a while victory. So God, I need your power because I can't, you can. That's humility. And God will explode in those areas of our lives. And so as I'm looking at this kind of power in my own life, uh, I, I, here's what I want to do. I want to take maybe one of my greatest weaknesses, not all of them, take one of my greatest weaknesses at a time and then say, God, this is extreme. I, I, I can't do it. I, I want to say, Lord, let, let's just kind of experiment here. Let's take this area of my life because I can't control it. I can't make it better. I've tried. I can't handle it. And God, you know what God's response to that is? He said, all right, all right. 
That's that. He said, that's what I've been waiting for. <laughs> you just hit almost the magic God. All right, all right, all right. Yes. That's what I've been waiting for. And he's like, I'm going to show you something now about dependency and you leaning on me instead of your own strength. And you know the cool thing? That's going to overflow into other areas of my life. That attitude, that humility will overflow into even some of the areas where I feel like maybe I'm a little bit stronger. It's still going to overflow into that. Now, all of this we're talking about, it's not going to happen overnight. It's a journey. It's a process. But the process and this struggle, it's going to help us become more and more aware of my inability, your inability, and his ability. Because weakness is his ideal working environment. Now, one more quick thing as we think about this. The end of this process of humility and, 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 and this weakness, and the end of that is, is brokenness, where we allow God and his truth to explode in a very specific area of our lives. And at the end of this, we don't find deeper commitment, more commitment. At the end of this, we find ourselves surrendered. That's a big deal. There is a world of difference between being committed to him and being surrendered to him. Surrendered is, committed says, I'm going to do better, I promise. Surrendered says, I can't. If it's going to happen, God, you've got to do it through me. Because weakness, here's that statement, weakness is his ideal working environment. And if weakness is his high, ideal working environment, so if those, that's, again, we're being very practical this morning. Where are we going to experience, as we walk, learn to walk according to the Spirit, it's in the areas that we are weak. What's the tool? How's it going to happen? It's the second statement. Truth is his tool. Truth is the Holy Spirit's tool. The thing that the Holy Spirit will use more than anything else in our lives to bring us in this walk to him, to kind of bring us alongside him in this process, kind of grease the wheels, you know, kind of grease the wheels and, and, and get things moving, it's, it's his truth. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32. You're going to recognize this verse. It says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here, here's what that means. If you're going to be free from bondage, emotional bondage, relationship bondage, uh, a temptation, a habit, a hang-up, that thing like we talked about last week that thing that you just can't get past in every area of bondage in my life and in your life it's going to be truth that triggers the gun that sets us free and consequently what the holy spirit's going to do in our life um, as we learn to walk in the spirit and as we're on that journey and that process and that struggle the holy spirit's constantly going to be reminding us of his truth He's going to constantly be exposing lies that we believe about ourselves, or about our parents, or about our friends, or about God, or about Jesus, or about the Bible, whatever. Because the Holy Spirit is in the lie-exposing business. He just shines lights, a uh, light on, a, on, on an in untruth. He exposes lies. He brings the truth in. And that's the process, that's the tool that he's going to use as we're in this process of walking according to the Spirit. So what does that mean? What does that practically mean for me? And what does that practically mean for us this morning as followers of Jesus? The very best thing that we can do. The thing we can do from a practical perspective as we are on this journey of walking according to the Spirit is this. Immerse ourselves in the Word. Immerse ourselves in the Bible. Immerse ourselves in 
his truth. Now, and this was me, so I can, I can speak from experience here. For me, reading the Bible for a very long time was about getting a little check mark by my name so God can be up there, you know, like, oh, goody, goody, he, he read his Bible today. Oh, my, I'm going to move him to the front of the line. He's super Christian. Look at him go. You know, that, that's not what it's about. That's not the point. It's not about doing something to gain something. It's just about renewing our mind. Remember Romans chapter 8, Paul never makes a statement about an action. It's all about, starts right here, the renewing of the mind. Saturating our mind with the Bible is a surefire way that we are working alongside the Holy Spirit as he continues to mature us, as he continues to bring about these changes. And as he continues to teach us, and we're hearing that still small voice that otherwise we may miss. But when we're in the, in the truth, when we're in the word, man, it's amazing how much easier it is to respond to those inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now look, this whole thing we're talking about this morning, um, it, it, responding to the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit, you might hear that and you might like, man, that is some really weird stuff. That is some fourth dimensional weirdness. That is some Bible theology theory. It's true. If we really want to learn to do what we're talking about, walking according to the Spirit, we have to learn to immerse ourselves in the truth. The best thing that we can do as we learn to walk according to the Spirit is sensitize our conscience to the truths and the values in the Bible. To sensitize our thinking with the Bible. Fill our mind with this stuff. I don't care how many times we've read it, how many times we've went, you know, seen Passion of the Christ on the movie, at the movie theater. A hundred times. I invite, or gone. Hey, you went to the Branson this past week, right? You, right, Sight and Sound Theater, right? You go to Branson, you don't go to Sight and Sound Theater. Are you really a Christ follower? I mean, that's just a joke. It's a joke. I don't mean that because it's really expensive. But maybe, you know, if you've gone to the Sight and Sound Theater like a hundred times, you're like, man, I know the stories, and I've seen Jonah, I've seen Noah, and I've seen all of it. We just keep doing it, man. Over and over, we just immerse ourselves because the truth, the word, it's the ammunition. That is the truth, and that is the tool that the Spirit's going to use. Yeah, you, know, you want to know what Jesus is wanting for your life? Well, listen to this. We have it down in words. John 17, verse 17. Here's what he wants. Make them, that's all of us, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. The Holy Spirit gave us the new covenant books. The Holy Spirit, those are his thoughts on paper. This is the Holy Spirit. The, 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 this collection, this library of books called the new covenant, it's his collection of values written down on paper. This is the lifestyle that the Holy Spirit is going to be leading us toward if we follow him and it's all on paper. It doesn't have to be some, like Cole said, some kind of weird dimensional uh, freaky thing. We have it in black and white and sometimes red <laughs> in, on paper or in digital format on your phone right now. One of the most practical things that we can do as a church as churches, as an individual, it is this, as we learn to walk in, according to the Spirit, is to saturate ourselves in these new covenant books. That's one of the best things we can do. And it's not from the perspective that says, oh, I had four quiet times a day, so I really got me some brownie points with God. We're in a good shape. No, no, no. It's not because of that. It is this, Lord, I am trying to learn how to walk in the Spirit here. And Lord, I, I'm going to spend some time in this book, in the new covenant, not so that I can know more, 
but God, so that this book can become part of me. It can fill my mind and it can fill my heart and fill my soul, fill uh, my conscience with your truth, God. That's what I want. I want to be so razor sharp and sensitive to the inner promptings of your spirit, God. That's why we do it. And I mean, the Holy Spirit, when, when he wants to get my attention, I, I don't want to have to have him beat me over the head. I want to be so dialed in to the Holy Spirit and that all God has to do is just kind of clear his throat. You know, I'm over here being, acting a fool and God, <clears throat> and, and I like, I snap to it. I'm like, Oh, I heard that. I heard that. I sense that. I, I, I feel that. And, and I want to say, God, because I, I, I sense you and I'm right there with you. I'm leaving that. I'm right back on the same page with you, God. I don't have to have uh, smoke signals or clouds or, or billboards or special fire or something amazing because I want to be razor sharp sensitive to your promptings. You don't have to put in a giant billboard to get my attention, God. Now that's, a, that's an incredible advantage that we have in having his word, his truth, and it's written down for us in black and white, right in the new covenant. His word it is true. You know, it's no coincidence either, Harley, to me. It, Jesus, we're talking the Son of God, right? We're talking, he's God. He created it all. He was there at the very beginning. Uh, he comes to earth and he's baptized, right? John the baptizer, he baptizes Jesus. Jesus, he's, he's been baptized. And Matthew tells us that the Holy Spirit comes down and he fills Jesus, okay? So like now, think about it. We've got the Son of God filled with the spirit. So it's like oh, super Jesus, right? Okay. Not literally you get, but you get my point, right? We're, this is a big deal. Okay. And then after that happens, he goes into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. So this is Jesus filled by the spirit. He's God. This is Satan, right? Amy. Okay. Are we on the same page? I hope so. You know what he does, Jesus, when he's tempted by Satan, he quotes the old covenant. He quotes scripture. Jesus, the Son of God, when he is faced with temptation. Now, question, is he led by the Spirit? Remember, this whole thing we're talking about is about us as a follower of Jesus being led by the Spirit. Is Jesus led by the Spirit in this moment? I mean, because you think, well, he's Jesus. He, he don't really, that's, that's not the same thing as it is for us. But is Jesus led by the Spirit? Absolutely. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 says, Then Jesus, after he was baptized, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit's in charge of this whole thing. And how does the Spirit of God lead the Son of God to deal with temptation? He quotes Scripture. He quotes truth. Now, and this is so important to say this because, again, in my experience, God's not going to love us more if we memorize the whole Bible, all 66 books, the Old Covenant, New Covenant. He's not going to love us more. He's not going to, you know, cover to cover, he's not going to be like, oh, man, I'm, again, I'm moving them to the front of the line. They're kind of like... Super Christians here, they, they are the ideal standard. It has nothing to do with love. And it has nothing to do with acceptance, what we're talking about this morning. It has everything to do with me as a follower of Jesus, learning to walk according to the Spirit, learning to work in tandem, side by side, step for step, with the Spirit of God, and a lot, you know, kind of greasing those wheels as we learn to walk according to the Spirit. Because the tool that the Spirit is going to use most often it's going to be truth. Yeah. So we have this, but 
when we add those two together, what's the end result? Where are we going with all of this? To what end? Sure, the Holy Spirit works best in our weaknesses. Okay, we can admit that. He uses truth as his primary tool. But where are we going with it? So here's where our third statement comes in today. This is the third and last statement. A Christ-like character is his final product. What Jesus is trying to accomplish through the Holy Spirit is to conform our character to the character of Jesus. Now, as a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. That's what the New Covenant teaches, and I believe. And the Holy Spirit is trying to bring alignment between the character of Christ and my character. He's trying to bring it up this way. That's what's trying to happen. He's going to chisel away at me. He's going to reform, renew, work on my character. So one day at a time, moment by moment, it begins to match, align with the character of Jesus. What does that look like? Well, Cole's already talked about it. It looks like, in my life, the fruit of the Spirit. It's all the work of the Spirit. I'm just, he's working on my weaknesses. He's the one doing it. What does it look like? It looks like all those values in the new covenant. That's what it looks like. Do you know what the number one, the A number one big time value in the Christian Christ following life is? Do you know what that value is? The most important thing we're told is by Jesus, love. Love for the Father, love for others. And that's what God wants to do in your life and my life. To make us the kind of people who are incredible lovers of God and lovers of other people. Why? Because... He says, this world will know that we are real by our love for one another. God wants to produce his fruit through us. He produces it. God wants to produce his love through us. He produces it. God wants to produce the character of Jesus in us. He produces it. It is an other, other people, others uh, orientation, that way of living. But you know, and this is kind of a, not, it's not a downer, and I, and I hope it doesn't come across as a downer, but it's the truth. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's not a snap of the finger and here we are, boom, I'm walking according to the Spirit, and all nine of those fruits of the Spirit, boom, they're there. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's not about, you know, praying that magic prayer. We learn to walk in the Spirit, and as we're in that journey, in that process, and there might be areas of our life where, yes, we do begin to experience victory in certain areas relatively quickly. But there will be other areas in our life that it's going to take a long time. It's a lifetime process. It really never stops. You never get to a point where you go, oh, I'm, I'm doing it now, and now you never have to change. It's a process where the Holy Spirit is just conforming and transforming my character to match the character of Jesus. And it's amazing, though. It's just, it's amazing how when I think that, okay, I finally got some of this stuff worked out. You know, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good in this area. I'm doing pretty good in that area. Man, it never fails. There's, gonna be, there's a circumstance, and I blow it. I blow it. I screw up. I respond incorrectly. I deal, you know, when I'm dealing with anger or relationships or, you know, it's a lifelong process. It is a constant. It's like riding a bike. You fall off, you get back on. So you say, then why? Why does this matter? Why has this six part? Why does this matter? Because if we can just get the frameworks down to what this whole walking according to the Spirit thing's about. If we can just understand what are the tools that the Spirit is going to use in our life to grease the wheels and make it happen. If we can just understand what's he doing out there? What's he doing in here? It can make the learning curve so much easier because we know what's going on. 
We can be sensitive. Hardly said we can be sensitive to it. We can be razor sharp to the inner promptings and the empowerment of the Spirit day by day, moment by moment, and decision by decision. God's in the process. If I'm a follower of Jesus, he's in the process as I'm walking in the Spirit of matching my character with the character. And it's a big statement. You know, this is, I, I was just about to run by it. I want, I want, as I am a follower of Jesus learning to walk according to the Spirit, he is in the process of matching my character, the character of Joshua Cole Sherman. Ain't much to me. He is in the process of matching my character to the character of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that is a big statement. And so if his ideal working environment is our weakness and his primary tool is truth and the final product then is the character of Jesus in me. What kind of character? It's that other's first character, that love character, that fruit of the spirit character. And that's where all this is going. That's where it's all going. And it is going to take a lifetime Moment by moment, decision by decision to get to where God is taking us. But if we can get online with God in this process and his way of doing it and not us trying to just be better, man, what a difference it'll make. You're going to hear a bunch of teachings on Sundays in your lifetime. And, and, and maybe even a bunch right here and a bunch in Malvern. And you may even hear a whole lot better teachings than, than what I've been able to do. But please don't just take this series and store it away and never uh, go back to it again. Because the Christian life, now this is real talk here, the Christian life is to pursue walking with the Spirit day by day, moment by moment, decision by decision. And let's just see. Let's see what God and His Spirit can do through us. Join me as we pray. Lord, it's so much easier to talk about this than to do it. God, it's so much easier for us to, to lean on our own strengths and to lean on our own abilities, to lean on our own talents, and, and to forget that apart from you, Jesus, we can't do anything. Father, please do something unique in Stuttgart and do something unique in the lives of Malvern. God, we want to be a people who are known for our character and for love that we have for others and for the fruit of the Spirit, none of which we can create on our own. And I pray that each of us leave here committed to learning to walk according to your Spirit. And whatever that means for us and wherever you take us, I pray that we will live with that passion in the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. All right. Now, we're going to do something special today. We're going to do communion. We're going to experience that together. And for our folks, our family who's online with us, you're going to be able to still worship with us. Um, Harrison's getting ready to play right now, and we're going to be moving into that. But I want to kind of give you some directions in how this will work. We do communion a little bit differently at Stuttgart Harvest Church and now the church in Malvern. And what we're going to ask you to do is just simply um, during this time of worship, 
we've got two identical stations set up. We have one right here, and we have one over here on this other side. They're both identical. And if you'll just go to one, we have papers set out here on this sub. We have a couple stacks over here on this table. All the papers say the same thing. And if you'll just grab one of those pieces of paper, and if you'll just read through that, just grab one and kind of step to the side, just read through that. It's going to give you your directions and how. And, and the Lord's Supper, the, all the directions are on that piece of paper. But we ask you to read through it. Think about the things that it asks you to think about. Talk to God about the things that it asks you to talk to God about. And there's a statement there that says, you know what? If you're making, if Jesus is the boss of your life, if you've made him the boss, we didn't say we're perfect about it. We just said, hey, Jesus is my boss. I'm following him. If that's you, or if you're making him your boss, today in this moment, then we say, you know what, let's take it to the next step and go ahead and participate in this communion with this. All the directions are on that piece of paper. We ask everyone, would you just at least get the piece of paper and read through that while we're singing these worship songs. Read through that. And then at the very end, as soon as you're done reading that, as soon as you participate in the communion, then we also have a little wooden heart on there. And we want you to take this, take one of those with you today. Put it in your pocket with you, with your keys or whatever you put in your pocket. Carry it with you all week long. And every time you put your hand down in your pocket and you feel that there, here's what I want, I want you to remember Remember what this season is about. It is us remembering that sacrifice that Jesus made where his heart stopped beating. He was dead. The blood drained from his body. He was dead. And three days later, God's spirit moved in, brought him back to life, not as a ghost, not as a spirit. His heart was beating once again. And he walked out of that tomb, as Ronnie sang just a moment ago. He walked out of that grave. Carry this with you this week, and every time you think about it, have a conversation with God that says, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because of what you've done, God, I can now walk by the Spirit. All right, so now, as, we, as we're singing these songs, we invite you to participate in our communion experience, and let's start that right now.